This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic, and unfortunately, we are not joined with uh, by Matt this week. He um, is uh, entertaining guests who uh, you know require his attention as a, uh, a, a tour guide and rock on tour par excellence. But um, I am very uh, lucky and uh, pleased to be here today with a a three-time return guest. He has been on New Right more at this point than any other person. And I can't think of a more fitting person to be a three-time return guest than Ryak Nationalist. It's great to have you on the pod, Ryak. Oh, it's, it's, always, it's always good to talk, Dan. It's always good to talk. It's a pleasure. Rag needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyways. He is uh-huh. the publisher of Man's World. He is the uh, author of The Eggs Benedict Option and uh, Rag Nationalism in Theory and Practice. And he is now the, uh, the owner of a very interesting uh, startup business, called uh kindred harvest which we're going to talk a little bit about and uh yeah it's uh it's great to have you here right yeah well we, we've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it absolutely i why don't we kind of jump in with um kindred harvest frankly because that's you know your current you know business venture the culmination of uh, your philosophy and um, your, you know, a, a lot of your, you know, intellectual and creative efforts. And it, just to kind of, I, I will, you know, summarize it briefly, but I'm sure I'll be leaving a little bit out. I, when I, this is the long way, but when I like, you know, walk around my apartment, I, you know, I kind of look at like, you know, various like, huh, is this like, you know, something that is, going to give me like you know disrupt my endocrine system <laughs> or is this you know are there microplastics and like i'm i'm you know red pilled on seed oils don't eat those eat whole foods but i mean i figure there are just like so many different parts of my life that you know i am not you know i frankly i you know have thought i would pay ren um X amount of money to come in and tell me how I need to fix my, you know, living space to have better health. 
And so you have created a company where, you know, you're taking steps to help people with this very, very problem, this very question. And so for instance, Kindred Harvest right now, I believe you are selling tea bags that do not emit microplastics as well as uh, honey, which has not been exposed to certain uh, very harmful pesticides. Does that sound like a correct summary? Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, that's uh, that's a very good introduction uh, to Kindred Harvest. So Kindred Harvest is a new company that I founded with some other people. Uh, I wanted to put my money uh, where my mouth is, so to speak, and I wanted to, I wanted to create a brand that would sell the kind of products that I actually would like to buy myself and have trouble finding, but also that I think other people, other people want as well. Um, and really with Kindred Harvest, what we're doing is we're taking organic as the starting point rather than the end point. So, you know, for a lot of companies and they'll say our product is organic and that's and that's it. It's an organic product. But actually, the unfortunate truth is today that organic really isn't enough. If what you're interested in is purity and um, mitigating your exposure as much as possible to harmful chemicals and to things like microplastics in particular then you have to go beyond organic and you have to ask for or demand a new level of purity and um so that's what we that's what we're trying to do with kindred harvest so our first range of products is a range of teas so they are organic uh, they're third party tested for heavy metals as well, because heavy metal um, heavy metal content is also a problem with a lot of teas. A lot of teas pick up things like arsenic and sure. uh, mercury and fluoride, uh, fluoride, fluorine and other, you know, harmful uh, heavy metals and other compounds like that. And then the big selling point really is the micro that they are microplastic free. So. I did a big thread about this the other day, but people just don't know that almost, I think it's now, it is now a majority of tea bags are made to some extent of plastic. So you'll find that some tea bags are made totally of nylon, polypropylene, other plastics like that. Other um, tea bags will be made partially of, of plastic. So there'll be a mix of, of um, maybe paper and plastic and then you've got another category of tea bags which contains plastic in the glue that's used to to hold the tea bag together so even if you've got like an unbleached paper tea bag it may very well or it, it very likely will contain plastic in the glue that seals it together so what we've done is we've we've said look there there, there will be no plastic whatsoever there'll be no plastic glue the tea bag itself will be a totally organic. Our tea bags are made of of cornstarch mm. instead. Um, uh, so yes, we we can proudly and 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 firmly say that our products are totally microplastic free. And the thing is, you know, if you put plastic in hot water, if you put food grade plastic in hot water, it will shed. Well, there are studies that show that that plastic tea bags shed billions of microplastic and nanoplastic fibers. I mean, so yeah. actually, if you are drinking tea regularly that's made with plastic tea bags, and you are you are consuming a lot of plastic 
in your tea and that, that's been that's been substantiated in scientific studies it may come as a big shock to you but it's true and so we really are filling a gap in the market and i think our products are probably the best quality uh uh tea in tea bags that you can get on the american market and we're we're going to have other products as well but that's that's the first the first range that we've um that we've brought out i mean one of the things one of the things that's been very important for me with man's world is showcasing uh based brands absolutely the, the kind of brands that that really deserve to be doing well small family-run businesses businesses that offer products that are unique and of an especially high quality organic wool pillows the finest mastic gum from from chios in in greece you know stuff like that we're trying I'm, i've tried as much as possible with the ad, advertising in the magazine which remains free uh at the moment uh to to showcase these these brands that should be showcased that i think really are models for the kind of brands that we should be supporting it's important Absolutely. i think it's important i think to create an ecosystem of of alternative brands because you know we 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 are being poisoned by most mainstream brands most mainstream foods are full of pesticides and and all sorts of crap and most mainstream products that you buy including pillows you know pillows are made with synthetic fibers and you spend all night breathing in plastics and off gas from the pillow and the, the nasty chemicals that they're sprayed with the fire retardants for instance which sure, yeah. contain contain things like pfas so really it's it's been a it's been a central mission of man's world since more or less the beginning to showcase those sorts of brands and now I've just gone a step further and and created my own with some with some backing and I, and I'm very proud of it and it's I mean it's only been a couple of it's only been a week two weeks but um we've had a very very positive response and uh we're looking to grow the brand and uh amazing and see where see where it goes yeah no I mean absolutely this is the next step the next logical step in where whatever it is we're doing online needs to go which is supporting people who are making the products, be it intellectual, be it physical, real, that we um, that we need and creating a kind of self-sustaining parallel ecosystem. That is, you know, what we need. And to kind of like draw it back to um, just as a very like real illustration of the uh, the value that Kindred Harvest brings to you. Uh, I like I mean, I was listening to your episode on the New Founding podcast and where you described the um, the value of the the tea and the situation that you know previously uh, prevails with these plastic tea bags. And so myself, like I, as I mentioned earlier, I, you know, I do my best. Uh, I know don't eat seed oils, eat whole foods, et cetera, et cetera. But whenever I'm sick, I, you know, I would have tea because I assume that like tea, well, that's healthy. That's like, I'm being, uh, I'm being like, so normally in my, um, you know, lawyer, New York, I drink a lot of coffee. So I, I rarely have tea except when I'm sick and I just have, I guess, in, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, I've been told that tea is good for you. You should have it if you, you have a sore throat or whatever. And so 
to, you know, think then like, oh, these times when I thought I was being healthy by having tea, I was actually like ingesting billions of particles of plastic, (laughs) which is, you know, probably, you know, quite unhealthy. It, um, it underscores to me, not only the value of the tea that you're making at Kindred Harvest, but, um, you know, what a job that you have to do and that, that anyone has to do to kind of, um, 21st century proof your life in, uh, in the current year. And, um, I mean, like I would, um, I would have no idea, frankly, like even where to start other than like, I know, yes, no seed oils, eat whole foods, but I mean, if you're, you know, comfortable and I don't want to put you on the spot like what what are some areas of the average like city dwellers life where we are exposing ourselves to harmful chemicals or substances that that we're not even thinking about that we're just doing blindly and you know how can we uh you know remedy that well, I, I did quite a funny um, thread the other day uh, asking the question, is the air estrogenic? Did you see that? <laughs> I actually did not, but I'm, I'm afraid to know. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I did this study. So I, I, I did about this study. So I found a study that suggested that actually the air we breathe now is estrogenic. It's the particulate in the air, basically chemicals in the air. Uh, pesticides, um, chemicals emitted by cars and factories and all sorts of other stuff. Um, So these researchers in Italy took air samples from four or five different places. Some of them were in the countryside, some of them were in the city. And then they tested tested the particulate samples that they took with tamoxifen, which is an anti-estrogenic drug that's used in the treatment of breast cancer to measure the levels of estrogenicity. So that's basically how much these how much these um, samples of particulate mimic the effects of the female hormone estrogen. And what they found was that air samples from everywhere, so from the city and from the countryside, uh, displayed estrogenicity. Uh, and and they showed that there were also there were there were um, seasonal variations. I think in particular, estrogenicity was higher in the winter. And autumn, I think because of the lower temperature, then more of the volatile chemicals in the mm. atmosphere become particulate because they're at a, you know, they're at a lower sure. energy state yeah. in the atmosphere. So it's an interesting, an interesting study. And it and it just I mean, I I posted the, you know, the Duma Wojak with his hollowed out eyes as the as the image. And I said, you know, it's over. It's over. You know, even even breathing the air today makes you <laughs> makes you uh sissifies you. But it, it I just I did the I did the thread well because it was an interesting study, but also just to show that actually I mean this is a really serious problem and and it basically concerns every aspect of our lives and so to begin with I think existentially what you need to do is you need to accept the fact that you cannot totally mitigate your um, mm. exposure to these chemicals like that's a fo- that's a fool's errand so so just stop thinking that you can do that because you can't but what you can do obviously is seriously seriously improve your your health by reducing your exposure significantly so i mean you can't stop breathing the air but you can spend more time in the countryside and you can move to the countryside if you want if you're concerned about air quality and its effects on your health 
And, you know, air quality does exacerbate asthma and autoimmune conditions and all sorts of stuff like that. So air quality is an issue in particularly polluted places. But I mean, more generally than what we're talking about, what I would recommend for people to do is to do very simple things like stop eating processed food. So that's a basic minimal definition of processed food would be food that is prepared outside the home, usually in a factory and is sold to you in a plastic wrapping. And that's usually food. And that's usually food as well that contains ingredients that you wouldn't normally find in a home kitchen. So things like humectants, stabilizers, emulsifiers, um, uh, antifungal, antimicrobial compounds, all that kind of stuff. So that's that's what processed food is. And processed food, as well as containing um, large amounts of microplastics and, and, and residue, uh, from from plastic wrapping will also contain it won't be organic you know so it will contain sort of pesticides and, and herbicide residue and it will also contain uh all of these artificial compounds which we are discovering are extremely bad for your health extremely bad for your gut uh, yeah. have all sorts of have all sorts of negative effects so interestingly enough then autistic children have been shown to have higher levels of a preservative called propionic acid in their stool than Mm. non-autistic children and the thought is well what propionic acid is basically is an antifungal and the thought is that maybe what is happening is that propionic acid in processed food so these kids are eating more processed food and then the propionic acid is nuking their gut basically it's killing the it's killing the good microbes it's killing the good microbes in the children's guts and then allowing aggressive invasive species to take hold and as we know from you know quite extensive research into the gut microbiome the kind of bacteria microbes microorganisms you have in your stomach has a serious effect on your health and well-being so they produce all sorts of all sorts of compounds that are um, precursors for neurotransmitters and all sorts of including dopamine and and also sure, precursors yeah. precursors for hormones including testosterone so i mean there are studies that show that particular particular strains of lactobacillus like lactobacillus reuteri um actually increase your testosterone levels if you have them in in significant number in your gut so yeah get rid of get rid of processed food start produ- start making your own food at home i mean one of the one of the reasons that i made a cookbook uh because i i mean i know how to cook i i have been a chef at, uh, was a chef for a very brief period of my life mm. um cooking is cooking is a gate i think cooking really is a gateway to health absolutely because, because you know if you can cook then you have no excuse not to make yourself nutritious um tasty food at home you 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 won't automatically reach for processed prepackaged food because actually you can make something that's infinitely better yourself um but the problem is that so many people don't know how to cook you know people aren't taught by their parents how to cook maybe maybe your parents don't know how to cook because they weren't taught how to cook and you're not taught how to cook at school uh and everything militates towards convenience and just throwing something you've bought from the shop in the microwave and slouching in front of the television to eat it so Yes, if you can if you can learn to cook and cook things, prepare things for yourself using uh, fresh, whole, local ingredients, preferably organic if you can get them. But I know organic is expensive, and that's one reason maybe why you might start to think about growing some of your own pro- produce if you've got the space. 
Mm. And you don't actually need that much space. You'd be surprised by what you can grow in a small greenhouse or just a sunny corner of a garden. So there are lots of things that you can do. Another thing that you can do, this is specifically if you're a woman, this is the last thing I'll talk about, is stop using personal care products. So Mm. personal care products contain, uh, we're talking about things like deodorant, mascara, um, uh, foundation, all that sort of stuff, the kind of things that women, you know, spend a long time in the morning putting on their face and body. Um, Personal care products contain large quantities of known endocrine disrupting chemicals, things like phthalates, bisphenol A, uh, PFAS, all sorts of stuff like that. There was a study that I wrote about uh, on Twitter, I did a little thread about, um, that showed that the average college-age girl in the US applies at least eight different personal care products a day to her her body that contain known endocrine-disrupting chemicals. Some of the girls in the study were using as as many as 17 different products that contain endocrine-disrupting chemicals. There was another study that showed that if women stop using personal care products levels of harmful chemicals like bpa and phthalates in their urine decrease by at least 45 percent so you know just something as simple as not using um commercially made uh personal care products can have a serious effect on the levels of harmful chemicals in your body and that's that's more directed towards women because women use personal care products much more uh, extensively than men do but also it's true of men too so you know a, a, a normal deodorant a lynx deodorant or an axe deodorant is likely to contain some harmful chemicals as is anything you put on your skin moisturizer all that kind of stuff so this is circling back this is why it's a good idea for us to create an alternative ecosystem with products that don't contain any of these nasty chemicals because really we, you know, we need them. we need them we need them because we are awash in horrible estrogenic chemicals and toxic chemicals i mean to me this speaks to there there's the you know kind of at this point even tired meme of like the man who just uses soap and water to wash his face and the woman is like how does he not break out how does he have such good skin well like i mean in my own personal life i you know i just use soap and water and i never break out and you know my girlfriend uses a lot of product and you know she not that she's always breaking out or anything but i uh, you know babe if you're listening to this uh, you look fine <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know it's i i think you know i i can't help but think that probably and i mean i know okay like fair enough I, you know, walking around, I'm not, men are not expected to wear makeup. I'm not my, you know, face is not as accentuated in the ways that like a woman wants to do. But regardless, it, you know, it clearly, I I would assume not putting all this stuff on your face does have good, um, you know, uh, consequences and, you know, results for your overall skin health. So like literally just, you know, ivory soap on my face and that probably isn't even good for it either. And, you know, yeah. And I mean, if we want to take this, you know, to the nth degree, 
yeah, fluoride in the water from my shower maybe isn't good. I don't know. I've, I've read Mike Ma's novels. He seems to think it's an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, it may very well be an issue. Uh, but, you know, so I'm a soap and water guy and I never break out. I, I think I have pretty good skin. And I have to assume that, you know, frankly, like a lot of this, these skincare products, um, I don't know. I mean, like maybe it makes your skin look good and, you know, for, you know, a day or whatever, but it, it just, it can't be good for long-term skin health to be, you know, glopping it down with all this stuff. I, I would think. No, 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 ab absolutely not. I mean, one thing, one among many things that these products do is kill the beneficial bacteria on your skin. You know, you have a, you have a skin microbiome as well. And, if you're constantly nuking your skin with with horrible products, then what happens is the beneficial bacteria that sit on the skin and and do all sorts of things. I mean, they kill harmful bacteria. If you have a if you have a a properly functioning skin microbiome, then actually the bacteria on the surface of your skin will prevent wounds from going bad. Um, there we yeah, go. I mean, it, they actually serve a protective immune function. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> We all we've all seen, I mean, especially if you go on holiday to Europe, if you go somewhere like Spain or Italy, then you or France, then you will see the most strikingly beautiful girls wearing no makeup whatsoever. And they have I mean, it's just something about that radiant natural skin. It's the sunlight as well, of course. It's I think it's easier easier probably to look good in in uh, sunny Spain than rainy old uh, Scotland or Ireland. <laughs> But but there is there is something about it, you know. I think it I think it becomes in many respects with these products a kind of self fulfilling prophecy. It's like oh, I I put on loads of makeup because I got bad skin, and then you've actually got bad skin because you're putting on loads of yeah. makeup, and it's it's something that at some point you probably need to try and break. I mean, a large part of it I think as well is diet, absolutely, and you know the average person's diet is dog shit. So yeah. But there are simple. But as I say, it's it's simple things. I mean, it, it might, it doesn't require that much effort to change your diet. Not really. No. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's not, we're not we're not talking about a complicated some complicated technical intervention in your life. You just you just have to want to change and 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 do it. So, my my advice to people is always look. Actually, it's these things compound you know you, you make one beneficial change here and another beneficial change there and you know a third beneficial change somewhere else and and pretty soon actually your life is unrecognizable so you can transform the way that you live and the way that you feel just by doing quite simple things and so that's uh that's the white pill i think that that, that comes in response to all these seeming black pills about the extent to which we are poisoned by chemicals in the environment. I mean, my intention has never been to make people despair. People need to know how bad the problem is because otherwise there'd be no, there'd be no incentive for us to to do anything about it. You know, we have, we have to know. Absolutely. Just, but at the same time, then we need to have hope. And actually it's not a false hope. It's a real hope. We can do something about it. You can do something about it individually. And also, uh, as I, as I say as well, then, you know, we can, we can make this a political movement as well. And and I think the emergence of uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the presidential, in the presidential yeah, races sure. has been, has been extremely, 
beneficial even if he doesn't win. I think he's raising issues that haven't been raised before in American political history. And I, and I think that um, people are really waking up to the extent to which actually we are poisoned and deprived of of our health because of the way that corporations and politicians behave. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think that we are actually probably on the cusp of, of some real beneficial change. Yeah. Yeah. Just as an example of how much we are potentially leaving on the table in terms of uh, improvements to health. When I probably, it was like the winter of 2022 made a concerted effort to remove all processed foods. And this was mostly actually because, you know, I'm working professional, like I, you know, it's, it's more, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a burden to cook dinner. And so I would, you know, door dash dinner and what have you, but I made an effort to stop doing that and to cook my own dinner and to, you know, only really only eat whole food. So eat yogurt in the morning eat um you know real real bread for lunch so like not sliced bread but um you know bread that goes bad you know if you're if your food and you correct me you're you're the expert ren but if your food goes bad you know in like a few days that means it's good food that like good food is food that actually spoils if your food never spoils well you know that's probably not so good for you so I made an effort to only eat food that, you know, that is not processed, food that will actually spoil, cook real meat for dinner, cook real vegetables for dinner. And within four or five months, I suddenly could fit into the suits I couldn't fit into for three or four years. And, you know, this was not changing my workout regimen at, at all. Frankly, I mean, I should, I still should. I'm doing the same workout for, you know, the past four or five years. <laughs> it's not, uh, I, I could use some work there, but just changing the diet alone, just, you know, shed the pounds. So there's so much we're leaving on the table just by, you know, failure to, say no to DoorDash, say no to, you know, uh, ordering in to, you know, processed foods to like, yeah, you pick up that, you know, bag of sliced bread and you know, you can keep it in your, you know, your pantry for the next four months. Well, there's a reason why you can keep it in your pantry for four months because it has all sorts of stuff in it that is not really very good for you. So yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit of a, a short-term um, annoyance to kind of be like, well, I'm going to cook food. I'm going to order, you know, buy stuff that goes bad. So I have to eat it right away. But in the long term, you are healthier and you look better. And, you know, what, you know, what is a, you know, a better uh, outcome than that, I would say. Well, I think I think that people need to think of the extra cost and the extra effort that's involved in being healthy and maintaining your health as an investment in the future. Absolutely. That's, that's that's the way to think about it. When you start thinking about it like that, then it becomes obvious that you should be doing it. You know, uh, 
I mean, people, the, the, the sad thing is that people never think that anything bad will happen to them. You know, I, I, I'm not going to be the person who, who has a stroke. I'm not going to be the person who has a heart attack. I'm not going to be the person who gets type two diabetes and, you know, has a, has a leg rot off. Um, yeah. But cancer. but it does. It, it happens to a lot. Yeah. Cancer. It happens to a lot of people and it happens to them because, I mean, for some people, then it obviously is poverty and they, they, they don't have access to, you know, to healthy food. And it's difficult. But life is difficult. But for a lot of people, it is a lot of people. Most people can afford or almost everybody can afford to eat better and they can afford to live their life in a better way by, you know, doing some exercise and and not just watching the television, uh, playing with their phones, etc. So if you think of it as an investment, that's a much better way to motivate yourself. Do you want to live a long and fulfilling life? Do you want to still in 20 years time to be able to do the things you enjoy now? Um, and if the answer is yes, then I would say, well, think about what you're eating, think about what you're putting into your body and think about your levels of, of activity. Um, Absolutely. But it's, but it's but the thing is the thing is of course that the entire culture the entire culture um is predicated on convenience now and yeah lack of effort and and so it's you are you are very much pushing against the grain i mean although although of course you know there you could say well gym culture is a much bigger thing than it ever was and you know there there's whole foods and and things like that then it's still nevertheless the case that as a whole, our society or our societies are the unhealthiest they have ever been, and it's only getting worse. Absolutely, and the like the kind of the idea that gym culture will um, mitigate eating poorly—it's just you know, it's it's so. I mean, I'm certainly no scientist, but it just strikes me as uh, wishful thinking, very illogical to do a callback to your pod with new founding there. Um, you, you mentioned something to the, the effect of um, how you have bodybuilders who are on anabolics and, you know, say what you will about that. There's you know various schools of thought, but um, who will not eat egg yolk. And it's kind of like, you know, if they, you know, it, it illustrates a fundamental misapprehension of nutrition and overall health. It, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. No, and, no, no, no. I think, I think, no, I think you're totally right. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, gym, gym, gym culture certainly does have its absurdities, and certainly one of the last, one of the, one of the biggest absurdities of the last however many decades has been the fact that you have these enormous bodybuilders who are happy to inject. You know, gallons of <laughs> gallons of anabolic steroids into their veins and enlarge their hearts and poison their livers and and poison their brains as well uh trembolone is is neurotoxic and some psalms are neurotoxic as well i think yk11 is neurotoxic i wrote about this so you know they, they really are really are doing harm to their bodies but they won't consume egg yolks because they have <laughs> cholesterol i mean it's it's abs it's absolutely insane and 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 what's even more insane about it is that cholesterol is incredibly good for you and yeah and so my, uh, my just as a an aside my grandmother lived until her mid-80s with the cholesterol in the 300s so 
anecdotal, of course, but you know, well, it, well, I mean, it, well, it's not well. I mean, yes, that that particular instance is anecdotal, but there are there are numerous studies now. The Hawaii Heart Health Study, the Minnesota Coronary Experiment, that show that actually, if you reduce people's cholesterol, they die more. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think in the Minnesota Coronary Experiment, they showed that for every thirty point decrease in total cholesterol a person experiences, they have a 22% higher chance of all-cause mortality. So that's death from anything, basically. Okay, uh, I mean, I'm that's, feeling that's... very safe in my 240 right now. So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think that um, cholesterol, the demonization of cholesterol was one of the biggest public health mistakes, I think, probably ever, really. I think it, I think it was... Yeah. And I mean, I've talked about I've talked about the history of this. I've written about the history of this. Um, what's interesting is that at the time in the 1950s, when the lipid heart hypothesis was being proposed by this chap called Ansel Keys, who was the, the real sort of originator of the theory, then loads of doctors thought that it was absolute bullshit. They really did. You know, I mean, he faced a lot of pushback uh, at academic conferences and 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 things like that, but. Because he, because among other things, and he had a lot of, he had the backing of the American Heart Association, which had money from Procter and Gamble, which was an early manufacturer of margarine. Sure. Um, then the commercial interests won out over good science, and the American people and and people of all developed nations have been paying the price for the last seventy years. This, you know, we were promised renewed health if we abandoned animal fats and animal products and it just has it hasn't materialized at all you know in fact the the opposite has happened and so i mean if you want to read about this then there's a good book called the great cholesterol con by dr malcolm kendrick that's a good place to start okay yeah Um, i uh, i will look that up Catherine shanahan talks about it as well in deep nutrition so yeah, I mean it's, and in fact, actually, the the interesting thing is that the the orthodoxy of the last seventy years on cholesterol has actually been overturned now. So, a great many com- countries that once had cholesterol guidelines um, have have totally abandoned them, and that includes the U.S. So, in twenty fifteen, the U.S. very the U.S. government. Um, quietly dropped its recommendations about cholesterol consumption because actually now that now the prevailing science suggests that very clearly that consumption of dietary cholesterol so that's you know cholesterol in your food does not end up in your blood it's not like the more cholesterol you eat the more you have in your blood that isn't how it works at all and so um but but the thing is that people haven't been told this. So your doctor, your physician probably doesn't know that. And you, and so if you go to him and you've had a blood test and, and it comes back with high cholesterol, then he will say, oh, you should maybe you should start eating vegetable oil instead of instead yeah, of butter. Yeah. You know, may, maybe you should spread margarine on your toast rather than butter. So, um, yeah, it's it's what I'm trying to do is is to spread awareness of that fact, among among other things. But it's uh Yes, the uh, the lipid heart hypothesis has been a public health disaster. Yeah, and I mean, even if it is in your blood, like my, I think my cholesterol, as I said, is like 240 or something. And, you know, I've had like 
ultrasounds of my carotid. It's totally clean. I, you know, have a resting heartbeat in the fifties. The so, you know, by all, by all counts, like I'm doing well with quote unquote high cholesterol, knock on wood, don't want to jinx myself, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, certainly like switching to eating whole foods and whole vegetables and, you know, I cook with duck fat now, I lost weight and I feel healthier. So something to be said for that. Yeah, many such cases, many such cases. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would, uh, if there's one book about diet I would recommend people read, it would be Western Price, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. I mean, he, he okay. established, yeah, so this was a classic book that he wrote. He wrote, I think he published it in 1939. He was a, he was a dent, I've talked about him a lot. I talk about him in the Eggs Benedict option. So he was a dentist and he, um, he was a dentist in the midwest in in ohio cleveland ohio and uh he was uh, he i think he i think he started practicing in about 1890 and uh this was around about the time when americans were moving from diets that were made up of locally produced whole foods to industrially new industrial foodstuffs that were produced in factories things made of refi refined wheats and 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 other refined products so they were moving away basically from their ancestral diets based in in animal products and and whole foods and western price as a dentist noticed that more and more of his patients were coming to see him with dreadful dreadful problems with their teeth and mouths and and faces so he noticed that there was an epidemic of of um cavities uh that people had malformed dental arches so that's the top of the mouth um it wasn't forming properly it was too narrow he saw that people had narrow cheeks narrow nasal passages um uh and that they were suffering from behavioral problems as a result especially children so he hypothesized that this was probably due to what people were eating. And eventually, after a couple of decades, he and his wife decided that they would try to put this theory to the test by looking at traditional societies around the world that were eating their traditional foods and seeing if they suffered from the same problems. So he went he went across the length and breadth of the planet. He went from the he went from the Arctic uh arctic canada to to africa uh to the swiss alps to the scottish scottish outer hebrides and the scottish highlands uh to uh australia to the pacific islands and he found um traditional societies that were eating their traditional diets and what he discovered was that they didn't suffer from any of these problems and so his great thesis is or his great discovery is that um industrial diets cause physical degeneration because that they are sense. because they are among other things made up of of foodstuffs that we've never eaten before products like refined flours and refined sugars that are stripped of all of their goodness um and that actually if what if what you want is perfect physical health what you need to consume is the kind of foodstuffs that these that these uh, tribal groups and and traditional societies consume so that's organ meats things like liver 
and other offal, uh, fatty cuts of meat, fatty cuts of meat in particular. We favor lean cuts of meat, but it's fatty cuts of meat really that have things like collagen in them. Excellent. Um, uh, and also fat, which contains, you know, uh, all sorts of enzymes and um, minerals, uh, et cetera, and, and vitamins, nutrients, uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, blood products, milk products, uh, what else? Uh, uh, fats like butter and lard, uh, seafood, as well as the other ones. So basically, a diet, a healthy diet needs to be built around uh, new, what he calls nutrient-dense animal products, basically. Um and so that's that. I mean, that is totally the opposite of the prevailing nutritional wisdom now, the prevailing nutritional wisdom Very of the last so. 70, 70 years, which has been that actually we need to cut those products out of our diet. We need to, you know, and now we're being told, of course, that we need to adopt a plant based diet, that we need to get rid of milk and eggs and butter and meat. Totally. Uh, and. I mean, this is what my book, The Eggs Benedict Option, is about. It's about the fact that actually the plan for a global plant-based diet will make us all tremendously ill, among other oh, things, and it will make clearly, us and yeah. it will make us and it will make us much easier to control as well. So absolutely. Um, so yes, read read Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. It's a very, very interesting book. It's a very, very striking book and and the history the history of the 20th century would have been very, very different if Western Price's insights had been had become mainstream and been accepted by medical science and physicians, I, I can assure you. So Man's World Online, you have launched a website for Man's World, which, you know, previously had been available via PDF, via download from... Um, you know, various sources, but, um, now the, you know, the whole of, you know, I, I believe, or if not the whole, most of the whole of most of the issues of man's world are being posted to man's world online. And this is, this is amazing. This is great. Um, I mean, I, you know, personally have a tie to this because, the uh, excellent review of Nutcranker by Kevin Kautzman was, you know, in the PDF, but I, you know, wanted to share and link it. Um, you know, I was not, you know, entirely able to kind of like get it, uh, you know, out as far as I wanted to go uh, just because of the, you know, lack of a, a website. But now Man's World Online is online and that is you know that is a big plus it's much easier to share the articles and this is you know kind of simultaneous with the you know regular uh publication of man's world digest <laughs> which is a very sexy uh compilation of kind of the best of the you know last um uh, several or perhaps even like a single issue of man's world it's it's I, the, the digest is 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 for each individual issue yeah so okay great each yeah. issue each issue has its own digest it's the annual at the end of the year that has a that has a um that is a retrospective of the entire year and also contains um new stuff as well yeah like to i mean so I, you know, right here, I have next to me the, the various man's worlds 
the uh-huh. various digests. And, you know, this was an excellent cover on the, I think the first Man's World Digest yeah. by uh, Vincent. And, you know, and that was a great issue. But I can see in the the most recent one, now we have color. We have color yeah. images. This is like really something that is fun to flip through, fun to read. And it is, you know, available for, you know, pretty low cost on Amazon, who, uh, you know, is, you know, certainly not an ally and certainly not a friend. But, you know, hey, if our interests coincide for, you know, some period of time, that's that's fine by me. And I yeah, am, precisely. you know, yeah, I'm happy to share my my content. And in fact, you know, I'm like, you know, obviously constantly promoting Nutcranker. And I send people mm-hmm. to Amazon because, you know, it's the fastest and easiest way to, you know, get a copy. And like, yes, we're published by Terror House. I love Matt, uh, Matt Forney, the, the publisher of Terror House. But I send people to Amazon just because, well, I mean, that's the, you know, people already have their account set up. You don't have to put in your credit card information. Everyone has an Amazon account. You click buy and, you know, you buy it. So, yeah, yeah, this is available. Man's World is available. I mean, the annual is from Antelope Hill. They do an Mm -hmm. excellent job. But uh, the digest is available, uh, you know, at, at the very least, it's available on Amazon and easy to buy. You just click buy and you have something that, for instance, my girlfriend was like, as I'm prepping for this episode, she's like, oh, what are those like colorful, like, you know, things you have there? I'm just like, <laughs> this is man's world, baby. This is... Uh... <laughs> This is Man's World, and it's yeah, it looks good. Well, we've yeah, so a, a lot has a lot has happened recently with Man's World. So we've got the new website, mansworldmag.online, and what we've, I mean, my 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 designer is a, is a, is an absolute genius, and he's really mm. he's created an amazing website that's unlike anybody else's website Mm. has all sorts of interactive elements and just the attention to detail is amazing and he i mean he did the last cover for the magazine as well the zelensky gigachad the zelensky gigachad cover which is a a piss take of bono's cover for the atlantic so it was my idea my idea to do that but uh he he really he executed it and he really delivered the goods but yeah we've got this amazing website you can download individual issues of the magazine or you can read individual articles actually on the site as well. So now you can share them easily rather than having to share the whole magazine. You can just share individual articles. Uh, and that's really that's really helped the website take off. So, I mean, we've had we've had, um, you know, three hundred and fifty thousand hits a week. On My the website God, that is week. amazing. That yeah, is. Yeah. It's been crazy. Huge, yeah. huge. I actually, on the day that I released the latest issue of Man's World on the website, the traffic got so crazy, I had to contact the the service provider and upgrade the hosting package because it was 
because it was just the, the website was just absolutely it was just crawling because because so many people were on were on there downloading the the magazine and looking at the stuff so the 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 website really is now the hub of man's world we've got a we've got a um, twitter account as well i think it's man's world mag underscore is the handle uh which does all the promotion now for the magazine as well um uh the website has a store too so we're selling t-shirts uh stringers hoodies long sleeve tees um which they is really great. cool buy yeah, them yeah yeah yep you can buy and so i think what we're doing is with each issue then we're doing a t- we're doing a um special tie-in t-shirt that that has the magazine cover on it so you can get the zelensky special um t-shirt or hoodie with the zelensky giga chad um uh and then there are other designs as well we're currently in the process of designing the most amazing it's going to be so funny the most amazing trump 2024 t-shirt um i which, think i've seen a preview of that yeah, yeah I, th- there, I think you have could be riggers here yeah yeah oh, something, that, that something, would be great something yeah. like that yeah yeah riggers could be here so yeah combining trump and the uh and the sleaze core king refueling his car for trump 2024 so yeah that's so that's that's going to be on there as well um the t-shirts are proving really really popular it's a great way I mean, nobody has to buy a T-shirt. Nobody has to buy the Digest either. But if you want to support the work that I do and that everybody else involved with the magazine does, then that's one way to do it. Um, and it does absolutely does help. Absolutely does help. And also the thing is, you know, I mean, the T-shirts are really, really unique. They're really well designed. They look great. They're made of 100% cotton. We've got a great um, company printing them for us on demand. So they're, again, like with the Kindred Harvest, you know, this, these are high quality products. You know, if you, if you want high quality products and you've come to the right place, we're not we're not selling anybody old rope here. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, Man's World is really going from strength to strength. We're expanding. We've got big things in the pipeline for the near future, too. It's looking like we may very well have a magazine on the shelves soon enough or so, sooner than sooner than you think. We'll probably be doing that quarterly like them as the magazine runs now so it wouldn't be a monthly thing because that would be too much work and um it would be insane to do that you need a huge huge um huge outfit to do that and really it is still largely a one-man show with the magazine so it's enough work for me to to make a a quarterly uh magazine as i can but yeah we're gonna we're gonna get it out onto store shelves soon sooner than you think so keep your eyes peeled for that um yeah i mean man's world uh has taken off in ways that i never thought would would ever happen you know it was just uh <laughs> it was just a funny little project that i had had an idea for but actually it's really it's really resonated with a lot of people i think and um it's, absolutely it's demonstrated i think a real need for for interesting physical products you know i mean it's one thing for everybody to have a sub stack and release their essays on their Substack pages and occasionally maybe write for some you know some outlet um some other outlet as well but actually having all of these having a a complete package of of essays and interviews and fiction and funny memes and all that sort of stuff all up together in in one product is it's 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 something that's much greater than the sum of its parts you know it's um 
yeah it's it's yeah. it's definitely it's definitely something more and i think that um i think that it really has really shown the way and and i'm really glad to see that other people now have started their own magazines and and things that they're um you know trying to bring together talent and showcase it because that's what we've got to do that that is what we have to do we have to we have to work together in furtherance of a common a common goal which is to win the culture war and to win the war in general not just the culture war but the war um and so whatever whatever man's world has done in furtherance of that aim then i'm i'm very proud of as you should be um you owe it to yourself that frankly buy one of these digest issues and you know to the extent that you follow ren and you read man's world it is you know not only is it fun not only is it nice to have an issue of the digest on your coffee table it is a conversation starter because it you know it looks the covers are beautiful the layout is you know similarly beautiful and it you know it looks very professional and it exposes you know if you have guests over and they're like what is this well you can you can tell them and you know because of you know the way normies are if they see something that looks nice they'll assume well okay there must be something to this so you you owe it to yourself to buy these put them out on your coffee table or whatever and you know kind of fly the flag and you'll be surprised by how normies respond to stuff that looks good because when stuff looks good they think well, okay, this is something that I am allowed to digest. This is something I'm allowed to process and think about because it's, you know, it's officially, it looks good. So it must have the imprimatur of, you know, someone who says I can read this. And, you know, in truth, it it only has the imprimatur of Ren And uh, not that Ren is, you know, not someone who should be respected. I very much think he should be the, you know, the normies. I don't think we, we as a, you know, a group have yet to cultivate the uh, position where we have institutional respect from normies, but regardless, we can embody the, um, you know, the aesthetic principles that they, you know, like, and that, and that we like, It, it looks great. And, you know, that, you know, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to do stuff like produce Man's World Digest. And, you know, kudos to you for pulling it off. This looks great. Thank thank you. Thank you. Well, so the the Digest, just to reiterate, is a paperback. It's available from Amazon. Uh, It's not expensive. And it contains a selection, usually sort of seven to ten essays from the digital Man's World. uh, and some some adverts, memes, and stuff as well. Um, so it's a way to get your hands on a physical copy of the magazine. It's not the full magazine; it's a curated selection, um, but it's full color now. It used to be black and white because of the printing costs, but now there are new printing options on Amazon. So I can print in I can print in full color inside as well without it being prohibitively expensive, either to print it or for you to buy it. So 
that's the, that's the good thing. So we can make a bit of profit on it, and also it can still remain cheap. Um, but to, but to, addre to address what you were saying about aesthetics, I mean, aesthetics really, if we're talking about the right today, then aesthetics is what we have to offer Correct. above, above um, you know, more, more than any other faction, if you will, on the right. You know, nobody else. The, the aesthetic, aesthetics clearly are important in a way that actually the traditional right just doesn't understand and is or is has been very slow to understand and you know that's part of the reason why bronze age mindset was continues to be such a runaway success is because it embodies aesthetic principles that um are attractive to people and absolutely people, um, you know that, that that actually draw people to the movement rather than repelling them away from it you know rather than a rather than a stuffed shirt man in a, a badly fitting tweed suit you know with yeah with, uh, sweat patches under his arms and and you know a great big fat pink face then bronze age mindset is a, a youthful vision of, of vitality and and exuberance and fun and humor and all of those things i think much, are things that i've tried to capture too in man's world with the adverts and the general tone of the magazine the the covers um and i don't and i and i still think in that regard actually that man's world is unique i don't think that there's any other published product that comes close to man's world in that regard uh, the aesthetic, you know, with the the sort of aesthetic vision, it is a total aesthetic vision. One that is, one that obviously has that has its obvious influences in things like Playboy, but is also uniquely its own. So it's you know, it's I often say it's Playboy updated for the massively online uh, internet artist generation, and that's you know that's that is definitely that is definitely true to an extent, and it, and it's what makes Man's World different, but. The thing about the annual in particular, I think, and I said this on one of the previous episodes of this show that I appeared on, is that the way that I think about the annual is as a kind of it's a, it's like a product from the future. So mm. the annual only comes out once a year. It's a glossy hardback. It's like the Playboy annual, which used to be in, which used to be released every year. Um, I've actually got a copy of a Playboy annual from 1955. It's a really, really lovely, oh, wow. really lovely. It's the second Playboy annual, so not the first. Um, but it's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely document, a lovely time capsule of you know what Playboy was like in the 1950s. And um, but this man's well, this glossy hardback, um, high production value document, um that you could put on a coffee table and that would, you know, people would look at and be really enticed by and excited to read. And you could share, you know, you could give it to your dad, you could give it to your uncle, you could give it to whoever you wanted and it would generate conversation and excitement. Then this really is, this really is a document that, that sort of signals what it might actually be like in the future. If we, if we ended up in possession of the culture, if actually we were the tastemakers and we were, we were the people mm. in control, then actually, you know, we would have products like this. We'd have loads of, there'd be loads of products like it. You know, you'd have magazines and books and films and music and, and, and every kind of cultural production you can think of. So I wanted, I've, I, I want the, 
the man's world manual of this, uh, annual is obviously more expensive because it's hardback but it, i want it to be an exquisite item you know like the absolutely as 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 good as good a as good a publication as it as it could be in in terms of its production values and also its content and it's nice that there are other people also doing that sort of thing on our side as well so i think particularly of the passage prize the people at the passage press you know what they do with their passage prize anthologies which are beautiful beautiful artifacts and uh that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing more of we need to be ambitious we need to be we need to be looking to the stars and um aiming high and uh yeah i so there's another there's another man's world annual coming out at the end of the year and um each one is best is each one is better than the last and this one has some of the best articles from the year it's got new articles i've written a new long article uh other new articles as well new memes it's got a board game called cucked brunch which involves, <laughs> which involves uh, our favourite, um, the leader of the seminal order, Brian Goldberg, um, <laughs> who, who is not who is not who is not based on anybody in real life, and the seminal order isn't based on anything in real life either. Um, uh, so yeah, it's just it's just these it's just a it's a unique document. Nobody else is making anything like it at the moment, and so uh, it's 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 a real pleasure. I don't ever. It's a lot of work doing all of this Mansell stuff, the world stuff. Course, but I never, yeah. I never, I never, I never begrudge it at all. It, it is a, it is a pleasure and a privilege. And you know, I mean, if people people can get involved as much or as little as they want to, I mean, I I always welcome help. And I've been very lucky that the people, the, the contributors generally have been extremely helpful and gracious. Uh, I've had a few people who've been. Uh, less than gracious i won't <laughs> i won't mention it i won't mention any names but it, it there was some pretty shock a couple of sh- pretty shocking interactions i've had but otherwise generally people have been really great really excited and really happy to contribute their time and um i mean look i, I don't pay people for for uh writing for manswell but that's true of everybody who's written in manswell yeah, so i've had new, absolutely I've had, I've had new york times best-selling authors write for man's world you know, we've interviewed Norbin Laden, who does the interview. She's interviewed really big people. Bronze Age Pervert writes for free. Everybody writes for free. So it's not yeah. like nobody's nobody's getting ripped off by not being paid. I mean, at, at some point, I would like to pay people. And and hopefully we're getting we're getting closer to that day when I actually can pay people, uh, you know, a, a wage or a, a, a dividend that is um, commensurate for their effort. But I think what you have to you have to think that man's world is actually is a showcase that and that's what i intend intend it to be as a showcase so it's somewhere where actually you can showcase your work if you want to in a way that is totally different from just writing a substack essay you know it's like Absolutely. here is here is here is your here is your writing about you know whatever in a in a publication and the thing is look like none of us are likely to get in a mainstream magazine anytime soon simply by nature of who we are and what we represent sure. maybe maybe in a hit piece so i've i've had plenty of hit pieces written about me you know in mother jones and gq and vanity fair and and all this kind of stuff but i've never actually been given space in any of those publications to write and probably never would be so 
what what we what we're doing with man's world really is we're engaging in in it's not a simulation simulation would be the wrong word but what we're doing is you know i'm showing people what it would actually be like what it would be like for their work to be in a real magazine and it is it is a real magazine it's not a, Absolutely. It's not a simulation. but you know it's it's a it's an interesting countercultural exercise among other things and uh i think if you want to see your work in a magazine laid out properly with nice pictures and you know you want to get some experience of writing as well because uh, i mean people ask me a lot of the time uh, a lot how do you get better at writing and, and the simple answer is you just keep writing and you know why not if you if if you think you want to be a writer and you think you've got an article in you about about something why not why not try and write a, a piece for man's world because it will be at the very least it will be an interesting exercise and you will learn something and you will develop your skills and certainly you know i've had people who've written for the magazine who started writing for the magazine in the beginning and they've written multiple times and it's and it's so clear that they're that they're getting so much better and that's yeah. that's wonderful that's wonderful to see as well so um I think Man's World works and similar publications work on a variety of different levels. And I think because we don't necessarily have the institutional support that idiots on the left have, then we need to help one another as much as we can. And that is what I'm trying to do. I am trying to help people on our side to develop their talents and uh, showcase them. Absolutely. That, I mean with man's world you're doing a clear you know service frankly to our side to showcase voices to you know give people the platform to speak and that is great one thing that i think is um to some extent you know not exactly lost but overlooked in all of this is that you yourself are a very good writer <laughs> i've uh you know in prep preparing for this episode but also previously i've been reading your writing and i mean i mean you have a strong command of the language obviously and in addition you know just like really kind of like funny um well well structured essays with you know moments that you know it it is hard i so you know i'm as my listeners know the author of nutcranker and i um uh, you know my readers um find my writing funny i i do myself and they laugh that i think is actually that is hard it is hard to make people laugh. It is hard to make people like have an actual emotional response to writing that is not rooted in the content, the thing you're talking about, but more is rooted in the style or the substance. And so, for instance, in your The Longhouse Delusion essay, uh, which you, you know, published uh, somewhat recently, um issue issue 10 issue 10 there we go yeah. there's um a a kind of uh you uh on you know, relatively like you know um 
briefly into this essay, you uh, inhabit the mind of a, a Peterson-like figure and you say something like, find another corner of the internet to sully you evil coward. And for me, that was just like hilarious. I just like, you know, I'm reading this. I just like marked that, you know, I, I laughed out loud and <laughs> just like so kind of like in touch with, you know, the reader, the climate on our side, the humor, you, um, you know, you are a very good writer. And amidst all that you do, I feel like this is perhaps, um, unfortunately, not discussed enough. But um, yeah, you know, just kudos. Uh, do you do you have any writing tips for readers? Well, well, th thank you. That was, that was a very kind thing to say. I mean, I do. I I love I love writing. I mean, writing is. Writing, writing was was definitely, um, you know, writing for me came before designing, before doing all of this design stuff with the magazine. I mean, I didn't have any, I didn't have any experience with design when I started the magazine. I mm. might, in retrospect, it's obvious that I've got at least an eye for design, um, but I didn't have any, I didn't have any um, formal training or anything like that. So, I came, I came to design as a as a total neophyte, but it's. Yes, I do think that to some extent, then maybe it slightly overshadows what I do, which is to write. Although I, I mean, I, I write very regularly now for the American Mind. I probably publish an article with them every fortnight. I write for other people. I've just started writing for Human Events for you know Jack Posobiec's uh, outlet. Um, so yeah, I mean, writing is still very much. I still see myself as a writer fundamentally, yeah. and, and I've got another book. Um, planned reasonably for reasonably soon a short it's a short book um uh what would i what would i say about writing uh i think well i'd say i'd say what i said just a minute ago you need to write if you're if you're going to be a writer then you need to write and i've encountered in 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 various various stages in my life but particularly at university people who will say things like i'm a writer i'm a poet and then you ask them oh what what have you written you know tell me about your poetry and they've not written anything and and i mean they're not poets and they're not writers because they haven't written a poem and they haven't written an essay or a book or a or anything else a story or or anything like that so you do you have to take the plunge at some point and it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate reality i think for all writers and for all artists and creators in general that you will look back in a few years time or maybe even a year or even six months at what you at what you were writing or producing today and you will probably part of you will feel embarrassed certainly certainly if you are somebody who is a um a perfectionist e even in a small way uh or if you're someone who is a real perfectionist then you're going to look back at your stuff and think oh god I shouldn't have. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't phrased that the way I the way I phrased it. I wish I'd said something different. But that's just natural, and that shouldn't stop you. That 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 sense of imperfection, awareness of imperfection, shouldn't stop you from writing. So what you need to do is you need to take the plunge and understand that it is a learning process. I also think that the other thing that you need to do is you need to read good writing. Mm. You need to you need to immerse yourself in good writing, and 
this is one of the problems i think especially for people in academia for people who for people who come from academic backgrounds from people who have who have you know got got doctoral um qualifications or graduate qualifications then they have experience of a very particular form of writing that is actually not really fit for general purpose and so i mean when i when i when i in my capacity as editor of man's world then sometimes i see essays that are you can see that there's something good there but but the the way it's expressed is it reads like an mphil essay like a graduate essay you know and and that's not what people want to read in a magazine you know there's no there's no reason why philosophical ideas or complicated ideas necessarily need to be expressed in that awful awful academic prose so i think that yes if it, and certainly if you're coming from that kind of background then you need to read other stuff like you're not going to be a good writer if all you read is academic uh essays and article uh, and and books and all that sort of stuff and that's your only experience of writing so um yes practice as much as you can write submit work um don't 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 get um don't get too hung up on any knockbacks because everybody everybody experiences knockbacks in the literary world um uh although actually i i must say that one of the things also that i like about our scene is that generally people aren't as uh for want of a better word aren't as cuntish as they are in the in the real literary world you know Absolutely. i mean people a lot of the majority of literary gatekeepers who work for journals and uh, publishers and all that kind of stuff are failed writers themselves. And they are very, very bitter and very, 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 very protective. They enjoy being able to exercise arbitrary power and to crush people's dreams. And generally there aren't, there are a few people like that on our side at the moment. I won't, again, I won't mention any <laughs> names, but um uh generally people are people are very friendly and and i even when i reject stuff and i i don't really do it that often but it's never really an outright rejection and i always try to say to people look okay this isn't necessarily this isn't what i want but it could be more what i want if you did this that and you know something else so i try to be constructive and that is that is just something that, that you have to you have to deal with and and if people are nice to you and, and do try to be constructive then take take it in the right spirit because because it's much better than having somebody not even respond when you send them an email and and send them an article because that's what a lot of people do in the literary world they don't even they don't even have the the good courtesy to respond absolutely i'm what people i think fail to realize or, you know, maybe do not fail to realize, but do not appropriately appreciate is the, you know, literary acumen that Ren that you have. And that, you know, um, you know, frankly, is, you know, something that you are, you know, really offering and bringing to this sphere and helping to elevate us. And, it is, you know, as you say, um, you know, certainly our voices will not be appreciated or respected in the mainstream. But beyond that, um, even in our, you know, little ecosystem, I mean, 
you are a, you know, you're, a, you know, you're a booster. You, you want to help people. You want to help people, you know, get better health. But, you know, beyond that, you know, become better writers, become, you know, better versions of themselves. So I would encourage our listeners and, uh, you know, sorry if I inundate you, Ren, but I would encourage <laughs> them to submit to Man's World and yeah, to, please. yeah, to, you know, you cannot find a more generous champion of your own writing and your own ability to write than Ren. And yeah, please submit, please engage with him. Um, you know, he is, he is a, an individual who is clearly intelligent and talented enough to succeed in the quote unquote mainstream literary environment and the mainstream world in general, but he is, you know, here for you. So get involved. That's my admonition. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. No, that's, that's very, very, very welcome. Thank you. Um, so if I mean if you do want to submit, if you do want to get in contact with me, then just send an email to mansworldmagazine at protonmail.com. I welcome uh, unsolicited submissions at all times uh, on on anything. I mean the the broad the broad guidance for the magazine is is just that it be interesting. Just write something that that's just write something interesting. It can be about anything. I mean, I've had some all sorts of unexpected stuff in there, you know, stuff that I didn't think I would publish, but that actually turned out to be really, really interesting and unusual. And so if you've got something to say, and, you know, there are all sorts of different um, sections within the magazine. We've got an opinion section, the meditation section, that's sort of 1,200 to 1,500 word opinion pieces. And then there are longer essays. We have fitness essays, uh, recipes, all sorts of stuff, short essays, less than a thousand words, fiction. Um, so really just, you know, w whatever takes your fancy, as long as you can make it interesting. And as long as it's not, um, as long as it's not something you'd see in the pages of Jacobin, then, um, then I'm certainly willing to, willing to consider it. I read all submissions, uh, you know, ev everything that I get sent, I read and I always respond. So, um, yeah, just just pluck up the courage uh, if you're if you're wavering a little bit and and get in touch because uh, the magazine wouldn't happen without all of these uh, contributions from mainly from Anons and um, uh, it could could be the start of something really great for the magazine and for you. So yeah, get involved. So yeah, I think a good uh, you know maybe place to close this on is the the hit pieces that have recently come out and how they have been you know in my opinion like pretty ineffective. Yeah, I think well, yeah, I think they've been really ineffective. I think part of the problem that they have is that whenever they describe what we're talking about and quote us or so I'm including Bronze Age pervert as well as myself and others. Yeah. They just they just make us sound cool. Yeah, they just, exactly. They just, they, I actually think it would be a better strategy for them to avoid talking about us, to ignore us, rather than to, because you know, I mean, like they 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 quote they quote stuff from Bronze Age mindset that's supposed to be reprehensible, and it's just so funny. 
it's yeah. just hilarious and and you know they quote like they quote they quote they quoted something from uh my appearance on a podcast where i talked about how leftists are really ugly and often and it's like it's just a demonstrable fact like i'm not yeah they're trying they're trying to make out that it's something deeply sinister that i've said that but it's like all you have to do is just open your eyes just look around look at you know it's not so yeah i i think that they i think that they um i think that these hit pieces are ill advised um because they're ineffectual and they just make the people who write them look very very silly and but it's but it's interesting how many of them are coming now i mean it's like at least one a week maybe more sometimes and they all seem to be connected they're all parroting the same kind of um phrases you know and it's the same people as well it's people around so Mari, for instance at compact um i mean sure. he, he called he called me a member of the unabomber right which is i mean <laughs> what 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 even is that i mean it's yeah it's just it's just it's just silly and it's a, and it's a label that doesn't even bear a moment's scrutiny the fact that i the fact that i that certain aspects of of the eggs benedict option may hark to you know ted kaczynski's ideas about about the progress of of industrialization and the birth of agriculture or whatever i mean is is beside the point that doesn't that's that's where the similarities begin and end you know it's not like at no point have I ever said I'm a disciple of the Unabomber. Um, uh, and then you have you know, Gnostic bodybuilders. And um, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's it's just funny. It's funny. And it, uh, you know, like, I mean, some people, some people, when they have hit pieces written about them, then it makes them very angry because things are said that are, un, that are untrue and unpleasant and, you know, yeah. And, that are genuine smears but i just when i see these when i see these pieces i just laugh i mean there was one that was written about me by mother jones and it was called blood soil and grass-fed beef and i turned <laughs> i actually I, I turned i turned that slogan into a into a t-shirt because i thought that's actually a really cool slogan um yeah why not but, really but 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 the author of the piece said about my my latest book the eggs benedict option that it read as if tucker carlson had written the omnivores dilemma and i'm like thank you thank you you know that's not that's not uh that's not an insult you haven't insulted me by saying that my book reads like tucker carlson wrote the omnivores dilemma the omnivores dilemma is is a great book about nutrition by michael pollan um uh just if you if you didn't know it's a it's a sure, very yeah. very 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 good book really a, a classic um classic book widely I mean, I've, widely I've read how to change your mind by pollen and yeah i mean like he you know regardless i don't know much about his politics but he is a good journalist and mm. it's yeah he does seem to like genuinely mm. you know uh well, the, the on, I, his issues i think the, the omnivore's dilemma is a is a quietly is a very radical book and I mean, I think he's he's left liberal. Obviously, I think. I mean, might yeah, might 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 be might be sort of libertarian. Might be on the kind of libertarian end of the left. But um, I mean, he's certainly not like a Marxist or anything like that. But I'm sure he's probably a liberal. But you know, the omnivore's dilemma. I think is a very very radical book, and there are he leaves a lot of the 
he doesn't say a lot of the conclusions he's reached about the way that food is produced and the way that people eat out loud but they're there and you can you can hear them and you can say them yourself with with confidence when you read the book so yeah it's a great book and that that certainly wasn't uh it conjured up a very funny image for me of, of you know, Tucker Carlson writing a, a book about nutrition. And I just thought, yeah, that's no, sorry, that's cool. You you really you thought you intended that as a really withering put down. You know, you thought that would that would make me look stupid. But it's actually it actually just made me laugh. And um, that's generally how I feel about these um, hit pieces. Although I think that some of the hit pieces about Bronze Age pervert are a bit sinister. And um, I definitely yeah. think that they, I definitely think that they are trying to make him, that they're trying to make him seem like a danger, which I yeah absolutely don't think he is, and no. uh, and I think that they are, I think that there's very definitely. I mean, I said that there was uh, some appearance of coordination, and I think with the Bronze Age pervert hit pieces in particular, I think there is. I think there's a very definite. There's a very de- whether a memo has gone round, I don't know, but it definitely feels like they're deliberately trying to get as many outlets to write bad things about him so they can build up a a sort of case that he is kind of universally recognized as a as a sort of dangerous figure when in fact he's just he's just not, you know. Um, Absolutely. And uh, but, I mean the but I think, kind of uh, Oh, go on. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say. I, I think. I think that they. I think that they are just worried about the fact that he is proving so popular, and that his that his that his writings resonate, especially with young people, with young men, in a way that their that their writings don't. You know, I mean, I think that yes, Don, Don, Donna Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's sister, uh, she wrote a, an awful book about the classics. Uh, yeah. You know, an or an awful politically correct book about reinterpreting the classics in the through the lens of white supremacy and all this kind of bullshit yes. and bronze age perverts book absolutely blew hers out of the water and was um, was has and was when it was released and has been ever since far you know of, of far greater popularity on amazon far higher up the rankings in ancient history and classics than her books and i think it actually it actually inspired her to fund her own sort of um ngo type group to to promote this sort of woke reading of the classics and and actually to sort of militantly levy against bronze age pervert i mean it's hilarious it's hilarious really it's a self book self-published on amazon that regularly outsells all of these ridiculous astroturfed astroturfed writers from the establishment and they and it drives them mad because they think that their credentials they think that their phds and their you know postdoctoral positions make them authorities that everybody should respect and listen to and, and shouldn't question but actually far far from it um we think that these people are ridiculous and um should just be should just be laughed at really i think we have a very interesting situation on the counterculture today whereby the counterculture actually has a lot of um, um, intellectual and philosophical and moral uh, justification for what they're saying. So the counterculture 
is not just like kind of like critiquing the mainstream culture and being like, well, on some respects, you're not, you know, entirely correct. The counterculture today is like fundamentally correct, uh, you know, in, in a way that, you know, is like kind of unique for U.S. history, at least. I'm not going to speak to world history, but our like current kind of um, you know, for, for want of a better word, uh, reactionary counterculture is correct in ways that are just like, you know, fond fundamentally kind of upend the mainstream understanding of the culture. So it's, it's a very weird place to be, but certainly at the very least, what this means is people who are interested in the creative arts, what have you, um, they are not drawn to the mainstream culture anymore. So I was at a party past couple of nights ago and, you know, people were talking to me about how, you know, the, all of the vitality is on the right and, you know, they, they are right just because not only because the right is the only place that will, um, you know, champion free speech. Now, whether that makes sense in the long run, I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm not sure that, you know, a kind of virtuous culture is uh, compatible with unlimited free speech, but at the very least, at the moment, the right is the free speech element of the, the popular culture. And in addition to that, they're just speaking truths that are, you know, so obvious and fundamental. It's like we have a, we exist in a time in history where there is a sort of supercharged counterculture and that's, you know, that's a place that I'm happy to be in. And I'm frankly lucky to be in because if, if this were not the case, if, you know, the, you know, the culture were different and, you know, the, the mainstream were not the, you know, the current kind of life denying <laughs> mainstream that we have today. Yeah, I mean, I would have to fight it out with like other, you know, very good writers who would be writing like satires who are as good or better than Nutcranker. But um, I don't. Such work, such a work doesn't exist. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, by virtue of the fact that like most everyone who is bought into the culture cannot satire the culture. And the, the culture is just so ripe for satire because it's so life-denying it's so you know what have you all the vitality is on the right all of the beyond even the creative vitality which is important all of the uh you know a, a lot of the health related biological truths are on the right i mean like it's just it's it's insane to think that there are people who are watching msnbc or whatever cnn and thinking i know 
what's going on. I, I have a good sense of the world, but nothing could be farther from the truth. They do not have control over their own bodies. They do not have control over their own minds. They do not have control over their own emotional impulses. And, you know, we have a, you know, a unique opportunity today, which is to, you know, instruct the mainstream, instruct our culture from a position of authority from the counterculture. And um, I, I think, you know, a lot of like what has been said by people such as Yarvin, others, is uh, very relevant here, very correct in that, you know, people think there's, uh, you know, how, how will we ever come back to power? How, how, how will we ever set the world to rights? Well, just, you know, simply, um, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep, you know, writing for man's world keep you know keeping in good health and that involves you know the the strategies that ren has just outlined for us that involves the kind of the uh the health uh conscious you know concepts that are embodied in you know kindred harvest and others um we have you know so much power that you know frankly those who would black pill just, uh, you know, are either kind of like, you know, too emo, too, you know, too kind of emotional, or just, you know, fail to recognize the power that we have. And, you know, Ren is not one of those guys. I mean, you know, he is almost single-handedly revitalizing the publishing industry, which is amazing. But also, you know, revitalizing the way we think about health which is you know frankly an even greater accomplishment and i you know i at the very beginning of this pod i said something to the effect of i would pay ren to kind of like tell me what i'm doing wrong on a health you know basis in my everyday life and now there's a company for that. So look into Kindred Harvest. Look into, you know, Man's World Online. You know, it's it's all out there for you. Buy the digest. And um Bren, do you do you have any, you know, final plugs, final thoughts you uh you want to convey? No, I think that was a very powerful message you just uh you just gave the audience and uh, i would agree with it 100 percent. especially the bits about buying the uh about buying the digest and the annual <laughs> and uh, absolutely and, che- and checking out kindred harvest but but yeah no seriously um yeah this is an exciting time and if you want to get involved then you can and uh uh you know there are all sorts of opportunities for you to get involved to improve your writing to get your writing out there to make a name for yourself so you know i started out as an anon who had absolutely no um nothing behind me no uh, reputation behind me and uh, i've really made something and, and and you can too if you have the 
determination and you apply yourself. So get to it. Absolutely. Thank you for being on, Ren. It uh, it was a pleasure. The uh, the third time is the charm, and I I think we are charmed here. Thank you. It was it was a real pleasure, Dan. Absolutely. Thank you.